0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. Go with me to our foundational scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And we are, we are coming to a close. But last week I did not finish talking about being in a stagnant state. So we are going to run into our final but I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to get there. But I have to give you everything that God is saying about the stagnant state because several people that I talked to said, I just couldn't believe I'm in a stagnant state. Because even when the Word will reveal to you, because you could think this and think that until God's Word go forth. And then you like... Ooh, I'm, I'm having a little issue. I'm having a little problem. And God wants to deliver you. And so we're going to go over some of the things, and then we're going, to go and we're going to finish up finding out, you know, if you're in a stagnant place. And then we're going to go into a little exam that God is going to give you to let you recognize yourself if you're in a stagnant place. Are you doing what you need to do? Amen. So in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, it reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything we be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. We're not going to go through all the scriptures we went through last year. I'm going to hit on some of the different things that we talked to and we're going to move forward. Then when we, we began to look at how to press forward, toward the mark, or how to press toward the mark from a stagnant state. And we went to the book of Ephesians, which we are not going to go to, and I told you that a stagnant state place is a state where we have stopped developing, stopped growing. A stagnant place is a place where, where you know, there's no growth or development, you're just there. And you can come to church and be in a stagnant place. I don't want anyone to think because they come into a building that I cannot be stagnant. You can. There's people that go to church for years in a stagnant state. So it's not coming into a building. It's living one day at a time and doing God's will and and pressing toward the mark. So we definitely want to say that. And then we said a stagnant place is a place of inactivity. You know, you might be, have you ever seen something that you're doing a whole bunch, but you're going nowhere? You know, like the exercise bike or, uh, you know, those things, the stepper and everything. You're not really going up the stairs. You know, you're doing a bunch, but the, the, the bike is stationary. Well, that's what you're doing if in, with inactivity. It may seem like you're doing something, but you're really going nowhere. And then we said a stagnant place is a state of decline. And I hope you meditated on that, a state of decline. You don't want to be in a state of decline. As, and, when, and you can tell when you're in a state of decline because there's an inactivity, and there's no growth, and there's no development. Then you are in decline. You're not standing, you are declining. Amen. And then we said a stagnant place is a, a, play, a state of being dull of hearing and dull of thinking. Oh, my God. And I really want to talk to you young people about that because you can be dull of hearing, dull of thinking. You don't have to be that way. You're smarter than that. You're sharper than that. You cannot be dull. Well, if you are, then you're just in a stagnant place. And that's the place you don't want to be. Amen. When you're in a stagnant place, you know, you're not moving forward. You know I mean? In life, you have the ability to grow, but you're not moving forward. You have ability to change and develop, but you're not When you're in a stagnant place, you're just living from day to day with with the ability to grow, but not growing at all. And you sit up in a teaching ministry and not grow, that's almost an abomination. Because everything is being explained to you and laid out in such a systematic uh, way that you should be able to get it and change. Amen? And then we said a stagnant place is uh, can be, you can be in a stagnant place because you did not keep moving or you did not move at the appointed time. Now, when I say you did not move or you did not move at the appointed time, I don't want you to just think physical. Because sometimes God gives you a word and God tell you to move on it then and you didn't move. God told you to say something right then and you didn't. You'd be like, oh yeah, but I wanted to say something, but I didn't. You didn't move at the proper time. You're in a stagnant state. You're afraid to say what I, you know, say what I'm feeling, say what I, what needs to be said when God has told you, nope, say that. That's the way people get caught up in situations, relationships, and everything. Always holding back. What should be said at the time, it needs to be said. You're in a stagnant place. If you're just holding, well, I didn't want to ruffle the feathers. Ruffle them. Let me tell you, if you can't tell somebody what you're feeling because you're afraid they leave them, they're not yours anyway. Because from that point on, you're going to be walking on pins and needles and always adjusting. You're never going gonna, to gonna be so far away from God. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Those of you that want to get married, those of you planning to get married, or listen, I don't want to hear nothing about nobody making a sacrifice for you because guess what? You're worth it. You're worth everybody. Ain't no, you ain't sacrificing nothing for me. What sacrifice? No, what? What? There's no sacrifice. Honey, you got a pearl and a jewel. you you got to be, you ain't, you ain't doing nothing. Don't, you're not doing, yeah, I'm not exchanging things with you. You're going to be in trouble. You don't even, no, what? No exchange. You love me? We do this together? Damn, that's it. I'm not making any deals. Period. Period. Matter of fact, that's a T-shirt. Y'all make sure y'all hold on to that because I'll forget it. C-O-L-W. All day long. Period. We need period. Big. Hold that. Write that down because I'll forget it. We uh, we need that. We need period. Big. With uh, two or three T's behind that. C-O-L-W. All day long. Period. Make sure we have enough room for that. Moving on. There is no, let me tell you. mm Warnings. Warnings. God gives you warnings. See, I'm not going to feel sorry for you years later. Because, you know, it takes the time the enemy set it up nicely. But I, 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 I'm i not going to feel sorry for I'm going to say, I remember... I don't know. I mean, how I'm going to remember? But somebody's going to have to help say, "I remember this day." (sighs) Got to learn. You didn't keep moving, and you did move at the appointed time when God said, "Wake up!" (laughs) Remember, He said that last week. Wake up! Stop being a sleepyhead. Stop being dull of hearing. Everybody in here you have to stop being dull of hearing and dull of thinking. Period. Now, I use marriage as an example, but it's straight across the board. You got to stop being dull of it. I got to hear it clearly and I got to move. And then what did I said? I said to wake up means to ha- to ha- you have to see the gravity of your situation. You got to see how serious this is. It is a serious thing to be in a stagnant state. You got to wake up and say, "Mm, mm, mm wait a minute. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see this. I have to see the gravity of it. I don't care what somebody thinks, what they say, how they look at me, whatever. I'm going to listen to God. You wish you would have but we'll be here when you need us and then we went to second Kings you don't have to go there chapter 7 and uh, we looked at the lepers there and we said when you are in a when you're ready to come out of a stagnant state you have to say 'I, I I this is not acceptable where I am where I am is not acceptable. Then you have to do something about it. We talked about that last week. Not going to get all into that, but we talked about that. This place is not acceptable. I gave you some examples, but I want you to know. I don't want you to get caught up in examples that I give you because those are one thing, but it's straight across the board. It's everything. It's, it's more than just one thing. It's straight across the board in your life. Are you with me? And then I said, when you wake up, you'll stop being, and you won't be in that place any longer. Why? Because I'm moving. I'm moving. I, ca- I can't. I can't do this. You have to tell yourself, I can't, and I won't. And then we said, when you wake up, you're ready to get up and go. You're ready to do something. You're ready to move. You're like, okay. You're not talking about it alone. Remember, the lepers didn't keep talking about it, they said something, and they said, let's get up and let's do it, and they did it. But talking about it day in and day out, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't want to talk about it day in and day out. I'm going to do something. We also said to wake up. Is you'll say, I'm not gonna sit here and die. That's what the lepers did. They say, Well, if we go in, if we go into Syria, we're gonna die. If we stay here, we're gonna die. So we might as well get up. And as they went, God blessed them. God said all oh, they he sent his the enemies into a array. They thought they heard something and everybody was coming after them, the king, and it wasn't anybody. But but I want you to know God is not doing anything until you get up and go. You gotta start moving for God to move. I'm just waiting on God. How? How are you waiting on God? Even in a restaurant, nobody wants a waiter to just sit at the, at the corner of the deal just waiting. You wait when you serve. You got, if you wait, you gotta serve. You gotta get your hands. You gotta do something. I don't ever want a waiter to just gonna stand there waiting. What are you waiting on? Waiting on you to order. Well, get over here. And so we are, I'm waiting on God. I'm not doing anything. Well, God's not doing anything either until you move. Are you, are you following me? And then we went on and we said, to press toward the mark, you have to walk diligently. And we said to walk diligently means that you have to make progress. We said to walk diligently means, ooh, this one I love, to take advantage of opportunities you got to learn how to take advantage of opportunities. you got to recognize opportunities. See, some people can't even recognize opportunities. So they can't take advantage of it if you don't even know it was an opportunity. That's why you need discernment. That's why you need to, to have the gift of discernment, where you can say, ooh, that was an opportunity. Amen? Then we said to walk diligently means to live. If you're going to walk in, and then he said and then I said to live and you have to develop a plan. You must develop a plan. Don't go off half cocked just doing something anything and hoping it works. Make a plan. You have to have a plan. And we we went over the scriptures. I'm I'm just going through cuz we we have to move forward. You have to develop a plan. That's going to strengthen you spiritually. See, everybody want to make a plan how they can save money, how they can do that. But have you made a plan that's going to strengthen you spiritually? That's our problem. We want to be strong in every area, but spiritually is where you need to be strong. Because if you're strong spiritually, you're going to have an answer for all natural matters. And then I said to you, you have to execute the plan. And nothing worse than just talking a good talk and not walking any of it. Always have a good idea, but never executing it. Always sound good. No, you got to do it. And I told you to, to, that, that every Sunday, like this morning and every other Sunday, that's how you develop a plan. You hear the word, and you make the adjustments. You sit down, write it down, make it plain so that you can see and run with it. Don't put it in your head. Put it on paper. Pros, cons, what we need to do, how we're going to do it, how we're going to execute it, what time frame we're going to do it. Now, let, not in your head, on the paper. And then we said, "This is wh- well, this is where we left off, and this is where we're going to pick up. The third, and I'll, uh, yeah, she has the notes up there. I don't think I did this one. Did I say to press toward the mark, you have to redeem the time? We did that one? Okay, well, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and so you have to redeem the time. That time is so important. When you're in a stagnant place, let me tell you, the, the part of the reason that you're in that place is because I'm not making good the time I'm in. You cannot burn off time because you can't get it back, you can't borrow it. You can lose it by messing around and but you can't get it back. And I love this part. Redeem means to rescue from the power of another. Redeem means to be rescued From the power of another. Somebody has the power and God's going to rescue you from it. That's called redeem. You don't want the time of your life to keep you stuck in a substandard state. You don't want that. Because a lot of times the adversary is using the time in your life, he's using it to get you involved in things that are not pleasing to God. the, the, The things that you're involved in, it might please other people, but it's not pleasing to God. Always remember you have an adversary. Never forget it. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how much you pray. Never forget you have an adversary. And the adversary that you have knows God better than you. The great Lucifer, number one in heaven, right before the throne of God, he knows. So when he has caused you to waste time, you've got to recover your time from the adversary. How do I do it? Didn't you say I can't get it back? No. How you recover your time from the adversary is do good with your time you have right now. That's how I recover. Like, okay, I know that's gone, but I'm going to recover myself from the adversary right now. Because he's going to continue. To redeem also means not to waste time. God has given us something of great value. God has given you time. The same way that you look, the same way that you obsess about everything, little things that you do. The same way you do that, you need to obsess about the time in your life. You know, we can obsess about a lot of different things. You know, and we like to put the word OCD on it. Why don't you be OCD for God? Oh, it's just, you know, I'm just ooh, I just get it. Well, why aren't you that way about the word? No more wasting time. Hmm. So you need to, you ought to obsess over the the time of your life. To make sure that the adversary don't get any of it. I'm not giving him any of my time. Especially when I'm trying to do the will of God. See, once I wake up and I begin to move, now I have to redeem the time. I'm moving. Now I have to make good my time. God keeps bringing us back here with us wasting time. We're busy doing all this stuff, trying to make it work. And you're wasting time that you can't get back. We redeem the time... Letter A, when we value time. People have such a low value for time. In other words, we understand the time. And we understand that the time is the only resource that we have. And once we spend it, we can't redeem it. You need to understand that. Don't try to borrow time because the time that you're trying to borrow is for the future when you get there. And when you get there, if you borrowed it, you have nothing for what you need at that time. So there's no borrowing time. Well, I know, but I'm going to do this now, you know. No, that's allotted for another time. When you arrive where you need to arrive in the future and you borrow from that, you, you know... You, you, you're you going to be without again. Hmm. I know I need to address this, but I'm going to deal with this later. I'm going to borrow a little time. No. But first of all, you don't know that you have time later. I'm going to do this again you know, later. Who promised you that you have time for later? Hmm. We redeem time, letter B... We make progress daily. You have to make progress daily. There has to be some progression daily. Now listen, it may be slow, it may be gradual, but it has to be steady. See you don't you're not gonna see it right away. And that's okay because it's slow and steady. You have to make sure. That you're making progress every day. And how do I make progress every day? By taking every step. Listen, but don't skip a step. Did you hear me? That's how you make progress. You make a step daily, but don't miss a step. See, we start making a step and then we like, oh, this is good, good. I can skip that. I'm going to. No. No. No skipping steps. I already know that. See, that's how you try to skip steps. You make steps daily without skipping a step. Go through it. It's a process. Did you get that? I want you to get that. We redeem time, letter C, when you guard your time. We guard who and what gets our time. Do you do that? Do you guard who and what gets your time? You have to be very careful about who and what gets your time. See, some of us, we just give our time to anyone. Be my friend. I'm giving my time. Mm. Just, just, Just stay there. God will be with you in a minute. you got to make sure you pay attention who and what I give my time to. Am I giving it to the wrong person? Am I giving all of my time to the video games? And I'm not saying anything's wrong with the video games. I'm talking about what do you give your quality time to? quality time you gotta guard your time let me tell you something about me everybody don't get my time I know you're saying oh because she's pastor everybody don't get her time no no not because I'm pastor not because I was the pastor's wife Any and everybody don't get my time because it's my time. Not because you know, not because of no title. I know a lot of ministers. Hey, you know what? I don't really have time because I'm no, no, no. I'm telling you why the why any and everybody don't get my time because it's mine. And I got to guard who and what I give my time to. Think on it. You have your time. It's my time because guess what? The time that you have is the only time that God has given you to do His will. And it's your time. You can do what you want to do, but that's the only time. That's what God has given you a span of time to do His will. And I've learned that my time is valuable. Everybody and everything don't get my time. I guard my time very carefully. Why? Because I don't want to lose time to something that's not going to help me to do what God has called me to do. I'm not wasting time with someone and something that's not going to help me do what God has called me to do. That's why my circle is small. That's why I'm only going to be around people that's going to help me do what God has called me to do. And see, young people don't think like that. They just feel like they can hang with anybody. No. Are they helping you? Do what God has called you to do. You have to ask yourself that. And you know what amazes me? Get this. This is this amazes me. So you know, it amazes me how many people respect my time and not their own. They say, "Oh, Pastor, Hill, I know, I know, you don't have time. I know you don't." But they don't even respect their own time. They have more respect for my time than their own. Now that amazes me. Why don't you have respect for your time? Why would you have more respect for my time and you have your own time as well? And you don't, you know, just anything with your time. I don't want to, well, I didn't really want to bother you because, you know, I know that you do. Respecting my time, doing anything with theirs. (laughs) I hear people, they come up to me, Pastor, I just want to say this one thing because I don't want to waste your time. I know your time is valuable. But do you know that your time is valuable? Not just mine.
1: What about yours?
0: See, I got all the time in the world, but I don't want to mess with your time, Pastor. What about your time? My time is no more valuable than yours. Know that. Well, Pastor, I know that you're an important person, and I know your time is valuable. You are an important person. See, you're not putting all that on me. I won't let you. You are an important person. Not just me. Like, oh, oh, you're, okay. you're mm-mm, mm-mm. You, are a, you are valuable. You are an important person and your time is, is valuable. Not just mine. Did you hear me? Your time is as valuable as mine. Now, and if you think that my time is valuable, well, what about you? You live with you. Your time means nothing to you. You live with you. My time cannot be more valuable than yours. And if my time that you ever so... Oh, I just passed this time. If my time have a price and a value that you won't waste it, I don't want to waste past this time, then your time should have a price that you shouldn't waste. The same way that you feel about my time you should be feeling that way about yours. I feel that way about yours. I'd be like, "No, no, I, I'll do this because I, I value your time you you I'm not just going to take advantage and and you know, no, your time is important. I'll make sure if if it seems like something's off and, and if the person got their time there, I'll back up and say, "No, we'll do this because that's their time." Hmm. So the way we get out of a stagnant time, we have to wake up. And then after we wake up, we said we got to get moving. Start developing a plan. And start executing the plan. And when you start executing the plan, don't stray from the plan. Don't get off the path. It's easy to get off the path. It's easy to get caught up in day-to-day life and things that you're doing and all those things. And you will be off the path. And the way we press toward the mark from a stagnant place, we have to get up every day with a time-conscious mentality. Every day I get up with a time-conscious mentality. We have to redeem the time. Make it good. Don't waste it. Don't lose it. And all these last few months, I've been giving you tools to help us press toward the mark over and over again. And this morning I'm going to give you another tool that you're going to need to understand where you are. You're going to be able to look down a checklist in just a minute because now, see, all of that goes back to us being in a stagnant place. But now, let's talk about what, how do we find out if we're in this stagnant place that I just said. I know, I know some of you are feeling like, yeah, I, I, this, that, and other, that's me, that's me. But our God said, let me test them. Let's do a little test. Are you ready for the test? I'm going to help you this morning to get there. Amen. The first thing that you have to ask yourself this morning is, Am I doing my part? Am I doing my part? Now, in the earliest teachings, I kept telling you that you may need a little extra help if you've done all you know to do, medically, physically, spiritually. You may need a little help, and I hope you've taken advantage of that. But how are you going to find out, if you're in a stagnant place, ask yourself, have I done my part? Have I done my part to make sure that I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ? Am I? Or am I still waiting on someone or something or some situation to come in my life thinking that that's going to be your answer? Now listen, we're doing self-examination. I'm going to ask you again. Are you doing your part? Or are you waiting on someone, something, or some situation to come in your life thinking that it's going to be your answer? If I just get married, that's going to be my answer. It won't. If I could just get this house, that will be my answer. It won't. If I could just get that car, my dream car, that'll be my answer. My dream job, it won't. Oh, he's so fine. Oh, she's hot. I want her. I want her. It won't be your answer. And I'm going to pull some things that we've talked about over the months of teaching to make sure you know whether or not you are doing your part or I realize I am now in a stagnant state for sure. And this self-examination, listen, you clear your heads right now. Everybody that's in here, I don't care if you got children in trouble. I don't care if you got children doing this. I don't care if they' being rebellious. I don't care about the schoolwork you have coming up next week. I don't care about it. none of that. Right now, clear your head because God has said, "I want you to do a self-examination, not for your husband, not for your wife, not for your children, not for your cousins." Not for your siblings, but a self-examination. So it's not about anybody in this room but me. Because it's a self-examination. Because a lot of times we sit down and we hear the word and we think about our children. We think about our mother. We think about our cousins. We think about somebody in a situation. But God is saying, I don't want them thinking about anyone today but themselves. Because it's a self-examination. You don't need to hunt your spouse when something is said. No, no, no. It's a self-examination. So God is only going to deal with you personally. Everybody say a self-examination. So if you want to subtitle this message, you can subtitle it. Am I doing what I need to do to press toward the mark? Am I doing my part? You've got to ask yourself that. Am I doing my part? That's what you have to write down. That's what you have to think on. See, all of us want God to show up. All of us want, oh, we can say it. We want God to show up and show out. All of us, we want that. We are everybody. We want God to fix it. Just fix it, God. Hmm. We want God to strengthen us because we're going through. We got things going on, stuff going on in my head. God, just strengthen me to get through it. Just strengthen me. God, make a way out of nowhere. You're a way maker, God. Promise keeper. And all that's wonderful. (laughs) But are you doing your part? In the midst of all of those wonderful things. Because he'll do all of that. But are you doing your part? We want people around us to make moves and adjustments. I want my husband to do this. I want my wife to do that. I want my children to do this and think this way and do this. But are you doing your part? Remember, this is a self-examination. See, don't look over at your wife and say, see, you need to be doing, uh-uh. Are you doing your part? You know, sometimes some of you thinking of different things that we're teaching on and the the way that I'm flowing, the way God told me to you, flow. Sometimes you're thinking like, you know, I, I know what Pastor's teaching on, but you know what would help me if she teach on this, that, and other? Well, guess what? If you believe that you need to hear from that, you have a Bible for yourself. Because I'm going to follow what God says. I really need to hear about this. Yeah, well, read, get in your Bible. you have a Bible too, you have to make sure that you are doing your part. Now when we look at self-examination, there will be questions that I'm going to put to you. Write them down. And each one is going to build on the other. And all of the questions are abstracted from things we have been learning on Sunday. So, it's not something that's going to be way over the top and you don't know what I'm talking about. It's things that we have been learning that you have to examine yourself with. I'm going to help us to examine if we're doing all that we can and doing all that we know to do. So, as I go through these questions, we'll take some time to talk about each one so you can recognize. If you're in a stagnant place. So keep, keep your bookmark on Philippians 3 and go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And While you're going there, I'm going to give you the first question. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And rest. Question number one. And then you're not asking anybody but yourself. Am I committed? Number one. Am I committed? If I'm not committed to do the work, then you have not done everything that you can do. And when I say committed, I'm not talking about I come to choir rehearsal all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. Are you committed to the work? Because if you're not committed to the work, you have not done everything that you can do. So, what do I do? I write number one, because this is an exam. Put a check or X by it. It's an exam. If you're not committed, understand this, you will never make progress. You will never make progress, because you're not committed. You will not, if you're not committed. You cannot expect to grow and develop... If you're not committed, don't waste time if you're not committed. If you're not committed, don't expect to overcome disappointments that will come your way. By loss, by hurt, If I'm not committed, I will continually miss God. Did you hear me? If I'm not committed, I will continually miss God. What does that mean? That means I will continually make wrong decisions and just miss God. I'm not committed to the work. I don't have my hands on nothing. I'm not doing nothing. I'm not, nothing. I'm just not committed to the work. Listen, fine, you're not. But just know, because you're not, you will not grow and develop. If you're not committed, you're not going to come out of your old life. You can't. You're not going to come out the way God intended for you to come out, because I'm not committed. So the very first question, ask yourself, have you really made a commitment to do the instructions of God? What He have instructed you. Have you made the commitment to do, not think on, to do the instructions of God? Listen, if the instructions were natural, if the instruction was, let's just say if the, structure, the instruction was about your health. Have you really made a commitment to do something about it? Let's say the commitment is about something financial. Maybe the instructions for God was get out of debt, remember that? Well, if you haven't decreased your spending and you're in debt, are you really committed when God told you to get out of debt? Examination by yourself, on yourself. See, if I'm stressed out about things that's going on in the natural, and that's usually where we are, I'm going to tell you right now, God has already given you instructions and you have not yet performed it. He's given them to you. You have not yet performed those instructions. Then you have to ask yourself again: well, am I doing my part? Self-examination. Am I committed? Have I made the commitment to do what God has instructed me to do? Every Sunday you come in here, those are instructions. You know that, don't you? We're not, I'm not just up here burning time. Every time you hear the word, that's instructions. Which ones have you done? Are you doing your part? See, we all want God to do our part, to do His part. God said, what about yours? We're workers together with Him. Am I doing my part, or in other words, am I just saying? See, you have to make a commitment in my, your heart. You know, one of the ways that you can figure out whether or not you're committed or in a stagnant place, listen. Listen to how you start sentences. Here we go. Listen. This is the one, one of the ways. So you can examine yourself. Listen to how you start sentences. Do you still start sentences by saying I know I need to if you know you need to that means you're not doing it somebody ought to say hallelujah but I get it watch how you listen to your sentence I know I need to If you're still starting sentences with, I know I need to, I know I need to make some changes. Oh, I know, I know, I know I need to address the situation. Oh, Lord, I know, I know, I know, I know I need to stop this. Oh, I know I need to kick it up a little now. I know I need to. How You say sentences. I know, I know I need to do better. Then ask yourself, are you really committed? Are you just in a stagnant place? I know know this from this point on. I know I need to translate, I know I'm not. I know I need to translation, I know I'm not. That's what that means. See, if I still need to do it, that means I'm not doing it. Isn't that what that means? I mean, everybody, is that what that means? If I say I know I need to, doesn't that mean I'm not doing it? Simplicity. Little Samuel and Elijah can dissect that. I had to use them. They're so cute. But I'm telling you, if you have to use that, are you doing your part? Stop asking God to do everything, and you're not even doing your part in instructions you're getting every Sunday, every Wednesday. And guess what? Whatever instruction God gave you, He didn't give it to you five minutes ago. He He's given you that a long time ago. Let's be real, because this examination. You heard it a while ago. So again, I have to ask myself, am I really committed? If you are committed... You don't use the sentence, I know I need to. Why? Because I'm doing it. I know I need to get in the choir. (laughs) God's going to fool around and be the. I know I need to do this. I know I need to. You know, commitment means I put my whole trust and confidence in God, His Word, His will, and His way. Did you hear me? When I am committed, it means I put my whole trust. Not some of it. I don't want to trust God until the situation comes out positive because it might not. But do you trust Him with your whole heart I put my whole trust in you God in your word in your will and in your way not my way if I'm committed I'm doing not I'm going to do you're not committed if you're going to do If you're doing God's word, you're performing his will, and you're doing it his way. Mm, mm, mm. Now, people, they want to put God all over that and not doing it. No way God has shown them how to do it. You're really doing it your way. You know, just because you put God's name on something don't mean squat. Because if it don't line up with his word, no, no, no. No, ma'am, no, sir. Look at verse 12 in Second Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul. He's talking to Timothy. Paul is trying to abstract a commitment out of Timothy. Why? Because Paul knows and understands the difficulties and the challenges that you have and persecution that Timothy was going to have being a bishop in the church and serving Jesus Christ. Anytime time that you're going to, in any position in the church, you're going to have some, you're going to have people come against you. And so Paul is trying to extract from him a commitment. Are you with me? And let me tell you, let me give you another way to look at it. Paul was called by God. See, you got to understand this about Paul. And Paul committed, listen, he committed, To God to fulfill that call. So when God instructs you, He just called you because He instructs you to do a certain thing. Look at verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I was called by God, and he committed to fulfill that call. See, Paul got instructions from God. He got instruction from God on the Damascus Road. When you get instruction from God, Paul is no different from me and you. When you get instructions from God, I must carry them out. When he got instructions from God on the Damascus Road, Paul made a commitment to God to fulfill those instructions. We all have, in, we have received instructions from God. But the question is, am I committed to perform the instructions I have received? See, we, you take and choose what, what, what we're teaching here. What I want, what I don't want, I'm throwing that out. I'm, you, you, you're taking what you think is positive for you, but you don't want to. Let me tell you, God is not, what, what you call negative is positive if it comes from God. Because God is only going to give you those things that's going to help you. You can't pick and choose God's instructions. You got to obey. Everybody say obey. Paul, an example. Paul is saying, I'm committed. I trust that God has gave what God has given me. I I trust the instructions. And God is well able to keep me and help me to keep the commitment that I've made, to perform the instructions. God will help you perform the instructions He gives you, but you first gotta obey the instructions. When you're committed, you are saying, I put my whole confidence and trust in God. I know what he has asked me to do. I'm committed to do what he asked me to do. And he, not me... He is going to make sure that I'm able to perform what I have committed to Him. You have to understand, whatever God instruction God's give you, God is not worried about whether you can do it. If He gave it to you, He's going to make sure you can perform it. You'll be like, wow, you know, sometimes you, you hear some stuff that God wants you to do. you be like, I can't do that, I can't do that. God said, no, you can't. But I'm instructing you. And I'm going to make sure you can perform it. Because if you could do it, then I won't get any glory and get any honor, and you'll get a big head. So I'm going to ask you to do something I know you can't do. And then I'm going to give you the ability to do it. And then some people get off kilter. They think God give them the ability to do it, and they think it's them. They don't know when it's God. I'm like, now you know you couldn't have done that yourself. Sometimes I'm up here teaching, and I come up with some examples and stuff like that, and I'll be like, I'm just not that smart. Thank you, God. For giving you, for your ability for me to perform this office that I'm in. I'd be like, well now where did that come from? I didn't even, I didn't write that down. I didn't, you know, and it just comes away. Why? Because God said, if I called you to it, and I've given you instructions on what to do, you just got to get up and do it, and I'll be with you, and I'll make sure you perform what I called you to do, and what I instructed you to do. See, sometimes people want to get up, and they want to get up, and they want to, change everything and do what God I can't do it listen and I don't care how many times you think well she's talking to me she's saying to me no no, God's talking to you not me she looked in my direction I could tell she meant that for me listen I said like Pastor Hill used to say I don't care who you marry I'm married to who I want to be married to I don't care what house you buy. Cause when I buy mine, I buy, my, I buy what I want. I don't care what job you work on. I don't care what title you have. Money is just money. Cause that's all you're working for. So none of that means nothing. It's God trying to, it's showing you you're in a stagnant place. I love Paul. He 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 just showed us how it's supposed to be. You're able to perform what God has committed to you. Listen, you're even able to have a walkaway game. Listen, over these three or four months that we've been teaching. And it's been wonderful for me, and it's been wonderful for you, I'm sure. But guess what? Out of all that teaching we did, if you're not committed three or or four months from now, from these three or four months of teaching, you're going to be in the same place three or four months from now that you were earlier. You're going to be the same place that you were before we started the teaching. I promise you, you'll be there. The second question. See, that one was pretty deep, wasn't it? It was like, oh, darn it, I'm stagnant. Yeah, I get it. You don't have to tell me because if God's teaching this, he already knows it's too many of us in a stagnant place. Question number two. Am I consistent? Uh, I get it. Am I consistent in doing what I know to do? See, you can't say, well, it's been a few weeks, and it seems like, you know, know, it's been a few weeks, and I've been doing what's right, and it seems like I'm still struggling. But are you consistent? Ask yourself, are you consistent? Are you consistently doing what you know to do? See, it has to be consistent. Am I doing spiritually what I know I need to do? Am I doing things that I know I'm supposed to do naturally? just naturally. But are you doing it on a consistent basis? See, God's people do things for a week and they think, I'm consistent. Look how consistent I am. I did it five days. Two months, we think we're consistent. Six months, I sure am consistent. Most of you in here would think if you did something six months that you're consistent. And you're not. And and if you would be honest, if you see how much pressure it took you to just do that six months, It was like you were in prison. Why? Because I'm not really that, I'm not consistent and I'm I'm trying to do this because I want to come out of this. So I'm trying to be consistent. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm not committed. If it was financial instructions God gave you, are you consistently handling your finances? According to the instructions he gave you. I'm not talking about your own little budget deal that you're doing here. Now, we're going to do something different now. we're gonna No, no. Are you consistently handling your finances according to his instructions? What he has told you to do. He will tell you what to do. If you're not consistent in handling it, guess what? You... Are not committed. I know I need to stop spending. I know I need to. Listen to your sentences. I ain't doing squat. Listen to your sentences. Exactly right. You're not committed. See, what the world called commitment, we ain't dealing with that. We're talking, you're in the kingdom of God. You're children of God. He has His own kingdom set up. You can't try to come in and bring the kingdom of this world and try to operate it under the principles and the guidelines of the kingdom of God. It won't work. It's just like every weapon formed against you. It just won't work when you try to bring all of that natural stuff from the world. Well, you know, we got to do this. And you know what? I saw this on the Internet. And I Googled this. And, and I'm going to get a chalkboard. And we're going to write it down. And, and you should write it down because that's where But when you're trying to do it, the way of the world, and trying to incorporate it in the body of Christ, it won't work. That's a different standard. Because let me tell you, I'm going to show you how it's a different standard. Because the world is going to say, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. Don't spend nothing. Don't give nothing. Don't do anything. Just keep stacking that paper. Just keep stacking it. Stack that paper. That's what the world will tell you. Go in the kingdom of God. God said, "Give." You be like, "Oh shucks, I just start stacking paper." Oh, the church is doing this. The church is doing. This. They ain't getting my. B-. See now, because God, look, God said, as long as the earth remains, there'll always be seed time and harvest. You're gonna always be in that mode. But God say, but that is the way that I continually bless you. Listen, when I say bless you, I'm not talking about there's no money. Oh my God, we ought to get out of our head. If we could get out of our head just money, that's all we think about. Oh, he's going to bless me with money. He's going to bless me with money. What if he just blessed you from having a wreck? What if he just had you get that deer got a little hungry for a bagel and you stayed in a little bit longer that's in your car and toasted you a bagel, and you went in that refrigerator that's full of stuff and you have to find the cream cheese and it was just long enough and you start going to work and you see a big wreck and God said, now nah, if you would have went a little earlier you've been in it. But that bagel See, we never think of those things. All we think is, God give me money. But let me tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll take my children living a godly life and living from, for God until the day they die over any type of money. God, if you bless me that I know my children, my grandchildren will serve you all the days of their life. That's more than that's things that are better than money. And one of them is your name. All we want is a little dead president. Just guess all I need. I need president. I, need, well, I want him. We can Benjamin, him. And I want some. To do what? Spend him. You're not holding it. So don't try to bring your natural crap into the kingdom of God. It's a different standard. Let me go there. I'll go there, God. God will say, you know, it's a pastor's compensation. Oh, no. uh -uh. She just bought a car. I don't think so. (laughs) Guess what? Your money will never pay for my car. Notice I got it without you. And I'll keep it without you. But you still got to obey God. You're not committed to anything. All you want to do is they're do, they doing better than me. Guess what? It's a bunch of people in here doing better than somebody. <laughs> in case you don't know, there's a bunch of people sitting right next to you that's doing better than you. You got 2000 in the bank. They got 25000 They look, what? Are they married? Listen, listen. See, that's the problem. See, our heads go. Uh, all we think about is money. Money comes and money goes. I want something deeper than that. I want to be committed to what God is calling me to do. I, all of that is called the add-to life. That stuff will come. That, that's just add-to. But some of you can't even be consistent. Some of you can't be consistent in your tithing. Can't be consistent in your giving. Can't be consistent in just coming to church. Can't be consistent in prayer. Can't be con- you just can't. You know, you do it every now and then, but you just can't be consistent. Guess what it's called? I'm in a stagnant place and I'm not committed to the instructions of God. Remember, this is a test. It has nothing to do with me. And don't grade on the curve, cause I'm not through with you. The hell, I almost uh, uh 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 Wish you knew about the curve. You know what? I know a lot of things you don't know. Believe me. So, even some of you, and even some of you that are streaming. When we were, were not meeting in, perp, in, in person and we began to stream, you made a commitment to God. You said, I'm going to stream every Sunday because I'm at home. I can just stream every Sunday. I'm not going to miss nothing. I'm not going to get behind. I'm going to stream every Sunday. You started, you were not committed. All of a sudden, you had to run to the store doing the stream. All of a sudden, you had to cook doing the stream. All of a sudden, everything was going on but that. And look, 24 months later, I'm just saying 24 months, round about. I know some of y'all just all the way down to the TV figures. Don't be that childish. But just you're still not consistent in just coming, let alone streaming. But you made a commitment to God, you were. Oh, no, I'm going to. I'm going to. No. And you're still not. We've been back since what? February? When did we come back? Were you, were, earlier this year. And people just keep trickling in, trickling out, trickling in. Trickling, every now and then. I come one Sunday and I miss Three. I come two. I miss four. All all of that. None of that is consistent. None of that is commitment. All of that shows you, whether you want to believe it or not, has nothing to do with me. God is saying, you are in a stagnant place. And you're trying to find every and anything to make that place not stagnant. But it is. Magna Place is a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. See, it was one thing when you were streaming and couldn't go to church, and you weren't consistent then. And now that you're back, you still can't be consistent. And if you're not consistent, it's because you're not committed. Know that. When you are consistent and you are committed, guess what? You don't have excuses. When you're committed and consistent, you don't have excuses. Well, I was coming, but. Well, I was going to, but. Yeah, I know, I'm going to try to eat better, but yeah, I was out there in those streets. and I got a little hungry, so I just went on to stop. And, you know, I I was hungry, and I know they didn't cook when I got home, so I just stopped. Well, and you know what? And it's okay to stop. But do you have to get a triple cheese, triple meat, double those fries, and excuse me, do you have a Route 44? Why? Why? You just have to go to the extreme? No, I need to. Yeah. But tomorrow I'm going to eat a salad. Not committed. Not committed. Again, don't get caught up in the illustrations because we're talking straight across the board. And sometimes God will make you laugh because, you know, to keep you from crying. Ain't he good? Question number three. Everybody say, woo, three. Woo, woo. Everybody do this. Say, cool down. Cool down. I get it. Cool down. I get it. I get it. Do two hands. Cool down. I get it. Because now you're finding. And you go to church every Sunday. And you sit in here. Stagnant. Question number three. This is a very good one. Am I challenging myself? Everything we've talked about. Am I challenging my thoughts? Let me tell you, church, what I have learned. I can only use me my own family. I don't want to use yours. When I moved from my old life, when I've suffered loss, When I had to pick up and press, even though I was disappointed and discouraged. When I still had to press, when I know I miss God. And when I had to press, when God showed me I was in a stagnant place. Because He did. But I realized something in all those things that happened in my life. See, everybody thinks they got it going. You know, I'm going to know, you know, y'all, you got it going on, but I'm going through this. Every one of those scenarios I just gave you, I've been in. But something that I realized in each one of those, suffering, loss, missing God and from my old life and being discouraged, being disappointed. something that I've learned in each one of those situations, that if I didn't deal with my thinking, I was never going to change my state. See, I had to first deal with the way I thought. If you never deal with your thinking, you'll always be in the state you're in. Always and so often times we want our state to change without our thinking changing it won't happen we want everything to change but I want to think the same way your state is not going to change until you challenge your thought life your state's not going to change If your thinking does not change, nothing's going to change. Why? Do you have. Did God say? Yes, God said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So you can't just think you're just going to move things around and you, you know, and don't deal with your thoughts. Mm mm you'm like, well, yeah we're going to change it, but you're not dealing with the thoughts that's going on on the inside it won't work i'm I'm not dealing with those I'm not dealing with those thoughts but i uh, you know this is going to change because i'm gonna do that it won't work it won't work it's not going to change if you don't deal with your thoughts. So I learned something about my thoughts and maybe to help you and maybe, you know, everybody thinks differently. Maybe your mind is different from mine, but I'm going to give you the example of mine. My mind, because I don't want to give yours, because my mind and my thoughts may be different from yours. But I learned something about my mind and my thoughts. I learned that they just don't change Because I say change. Change thoughts. They don't go away because I say go away thoughts. Mine don't. Yours might. And I've learned this over time. They just don't go away. And again, maybe this is just my mind. Because maybe you could just wake up in the morning... And something goes, you know, something in your thoughts, some negative thoughts, you could say, you know what? Mine, I only want godly thoughts today. Be gone. And maybe that works for you, not for me. But that's only me. Some of you might have it like that. But what I found is, for me... But once I start having thoughts and they will come they will just linger there. They, they're not going because I say go away. They're in there. Thoughts. And sometimes because you're praying, and you do, it'll go away for a week. Sometimes a month. Sometimes a couple of months. But I have to continually work on my thoughts and my thinking. Because it'd be like, excuse me. Again, it just may be me. And that's who I can talk about. I've learned working on your thoughts takes work. It's a lot of work to work on your thoughts. And when I'm committed, well, when I'm not committed and I'm not consistent in challenging my thoughts, I've learned this thing. Thoughts don't just give up because you made a good argument. See, if you're not committed and you're not consistent, because you made a good argument, thoughts be like, okay. <laughs> I've never heard my thoughts once say, hmm. You know, when I'm saying, you know, I, I cast down imagination and every thought that tried to exalt itself against the word of God. And I mean, I go through all of it. Because that's what I know to do. But I never hear once my voice, my, my thoughts say, you convinced convincing today. That was a that was a that, that was really compelling evidence that you laid before me. And guess what? You're never gonna have that thought again. I've never heard my thoughts say that. I've never seen my thought do that. Because why? I never forget I have an enemy. <laughs> Now, that's how my mind works. I have realized that with the loss of my husband, and I thank God for my healing and his hand upon my life and him getting me through every day. But again, my mind will go there. My mind will go there. Even though I know the goodness of the Lord and I know what He's done and I know how He's brought me through and I know what He's, I've gone through and He's brought me out, but I mean I can go to a place in my thoughts. And the place that I go through, go to, they're contrary to the word of God and my thoughts. They're contrary to the truth. They're contrary to the very will of God. My thoughts will come that's contrary to what I know to do. What I know to do. My thoughts will be contrary to what I believe. But I'm talking about only my thoughts. And even though I know all of those things that they're contrary to, it doesn't change the fact that I think it. My mind still thinks it. And I have to deal with those thoughts. I have to deal with things in people that have disappointed me. I have to deal with them. And I'll say, oh, I'm over that, I'm over that. And my mind will come back and say, really? You are. And then he'll show me something in my mind and say, now don't that remind you of such and such? And then I say, you know, that do kind of remind me of that. Thoughts, don't that remind you of what happened ten years ago, six years ago? Thoughts takes work. I have a long. It was. And then your thoughts say, yeah. That does remind you. Think on it. You know, sometimes I could feel so holy. I could feel so righteous. And then other times, thoughts would just come rolling in my head. Just come rolling in my head. And now I'm thinking. I'm a pastor now. I shouldn't have these thoughts, these different thoughts. Why, why am I having these thoughts about wrong things that what why why am I thinking wrong about this person or why am I doing why am I doing that? Listen, your mind has something called a memory in case you didn't know getting saved won't wipe that away. your mind have what we call a memory. And i be like, why am I thinking about that at this time? So you have to consistently, I have to consistently challenge my thoughts. You have to consistently challenge your thoughts. Kelly, have I been out of time that long? I can't hear you, but I just looked up there and it's got zeros, but uh, whatever time, you all are caught up too. Your thoughts are like, okay, I hope she's quitting now, because I'm trying to grade this on a curb as it is. But I, I, I'm going to stop here. But I'm. I, but I just want to want to ring this in for you about my thought life. It's not easy. You have to consistently stay there and say, "Uh-uh, we're not thinking that." Mm-mm. You got to reconcile those thoughts. and Say, "No." Because that memory will bring it back. If you want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, you have to constantly, constantly challenge your thoughts. You have to reconcile those thoughts with truth. That's what gets me through. Every time my, my, my mind is loaded with I have to reconcile it with truth. I've got to go over and over again. And it doesn't mean they're going to disappear and not come back. The Bible says that you, He'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind stayed on him. Why? Because your thought life is going to come back at you. So we have to make sure that we're committed to thinking correctly. Now, this thinking correctly, you all remember, that's the hard, unseen work that will produce results. See, nobody's going to know that you're working on your mind, but you and God. It's the unseen work. I'm working on these thoughts. I'm telling you, thoughts will take you somewhere so quick, you'll be like, how did I get there? The unseen work that's going to produce results. And guess what? When it produces results, everybody's going to benefit from your thought life being checked saying no commitment but you're going to have to come back next week so you just go over what was it three we got a few more you already know you pretty much know you know how you do a test and you start doing you be like oh I pretty much know I'm going to pass this or you said I pretty much know I'm failing you know you, you, you already know you're halfway there you be like oh Oh, whatever you say, I'm just going to put an X by it when, it when it comes because I already know. I'm what? I know I need to do it. And every time you say that, just know you're not doing it. And every time you're not doing it, you're setting yourself up. But we're coming back next week. God is not through with you. But next week, I am going to finish. I'm going to finish this. We're going to finish the test.